I guess like to other people it wouldn't be funny and we use humor pretty much for everything. I should probably have put that disclaimer <laughs> on the beginning of it. Welcome to Socks with Stories, a show about inspiring stories of resilience from patients, survivors, and family members. I'm your host and fellow survivor, Jake Teitelbaum. As a cancer patient, I couldn't stand the poorly made hospital socks. So I started a company, Resilience Gives, to make fun, better quality, non-slip socks co-designed by children battling cancer. Over the last four years, this cancer community has repeatedly shown me what resilience is all about. And this podcast is about sharing their stories. In this week's episode, you'll hear 11-year-old Grace and her mom, Aubrey, share how they use some humor to cope throughout Grace's battle with brain cancer. Um, it was like one day, I remember the day, like kind of very like clearly that I just noticed Grace like literally drinking so much water, like could not get enough water and noticed that for a while, called the doctor and he's like, well, you know, is she peeing a lot more? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, that's good. That means everything's working. Don't worry about it. And, you know, and of course you Google things and it tells you all these like bad things about diabetes and stuff like that. And the doctor's like, listen, if it was diabetes, you'd know in two weeks because she would completely deteriorate. I said, okay. So I trust our doctor, love him. And, you know, but then um, actually a school nurse said, you know, she hasn't grown that much in a year. And I said, that's funny you say that, like our pediatrician kind of noticed that also, and it was just something to watch. And then another year went by and, you know, it was still kind of status quo. And that's when the pediatrician was kind of like, all right, you've been flagging a few things. You know, now this is kind of like some consistent data that we have. He's like, maybe you should go and see an endocrinologist. So we did that. Um, you know, she ran a ton of tests. Everything came back fairly normal, you know, nothing really too crazy. Um, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to, she normally would do a bunch more tests, like blood work and things like that, and hormone tests. And she's like, you know what? Let's just go to an MRI. She's like, I think I know what it is. You know, we can get it taken care of. So of course we go to schedule the MRI and we're like, okay, we could go like right before we go away for a week or we could do it right when we come back. I'm like, in hindsight, thank the heavens I chose to do it like after we came back because otherwise like that vacation probably would have just been a very different tone <laughs> to it. Um, so we, you know, we did that and we did the MRI and, um, yeah, we, we, the MRI story is kind of I don't know, funny, but we go and it's a pituitary MRI and we go and we check in like, okay, you're here for your brain MRI. And I'm like, no, no, she's getting a pituitary MRI. Like I hadn't Googled it. I thought nothing of it because our doctor was super kind of casual about it. She, you know, I don't think she thought the outcome was going to be what it was. So we're like, okay, it's just part of the process. We go and they're like the brain, you know, it's an MRI of the brain. We were like, well, that sounds very serious. And then I was like, oh, I'm such a bad mom. I should have Googled this and I didn't, you know, like, oh, I got a brain MRI. That sounds serious. Okay. Plus, you know, no, no, now I know so much about the pituitary. And so we did that. And, um, the MRI took a long time, much longer than what we thought. Uh, I, normally, I would have run into the city right afterwards, you know, dropped her off at school, run into the city. But I decided, I was like, you know what? It's been a long morning. Forget it. I'm going to stay home. I'll work from home in the afternoon. And thank heavens I did because probably 45 minutes after I dropped her back off at school, the doctor called, almost like stuttering, upset, and was like, I can't do this over the phone. You and your husband need to, like, no, you need to come in. Like, she was very distraught. And I was like, okay. So I grabbed me and my husband actually was headed to my brother's house to um, help him with something. I said, you need to divert. I'll meet you, you know, at the doctor's office. So we diverted. And that's when, you know, as soon as we got there, they're like, okay, we're, you know, you come right in. We were like, okay. 
Like, it's a waiting room full of people. Okay, we'll come right in. And they sat us down and then said, and, and she looked like hell. The doctor looked like hell. I was like, are you okay? You know, like, I was like, oh my, you just did not look right. And, and she told us, she said they found a mass around her pituitary um, and you absolutely need to deal with it. Because I was, I think, sort of, I don't know, I think I went to like a different planet at that point. Like I was like, um, well, is it something that's always been there? Like, do we need to be dramatic about it? Like, is it something, she's like, you absolutely need to deal with it. Handed me a note with, already she had spoken to our pediatrician, who's a good family friend. So he was, you know, very upset about it. And, um, and gave us a note with, okay, tomorrow you're going to go to this neurosurgeon in the morning and you're going to go to this neuro-oncologist in the afternoon. And I think the, the seeing both of those titles on a page and hearing the oncology part, I was like, what? Like, wait, what? You know, like, it's like, that's just nowhere in my mind was the need for a neurosurgeon and or oncologist, neuro-oncologist. I was like, just completely like life changing. Like I remember, like, and we still go to that doctor and yeah. I walk by the room where we were when they told us and like the chair is in the same spot. Like I remember it like forever etched in my mind. And I think I just like literally had an out-of-body experience, like looked down on myself, like what is happening? Like completely, completely blindsided, nowhere in our realm of what we thought this could be was a brain tumor or brain cancer, like just nowhere. So it was quite crazy. We were crazy lucky because if you look at even, you know, traditional symptoms of brain tumors or what Grace had, you know, yes, there's excessive water drinking, which is caused by the, the pituitary is angry. So it develops diabetes insipidus, which is what Grace still has. Um, but that's one of the kind of the, the kind of almost precursors for that and the slowed growth. However, usually there's headaches and there's dizziness and there's loss of vision and all sorts of other issues. We were fortunate. Grace had none of those. Thank God. None of those. Yeah, thank goodness. Um, she had none of the traditional kind of symptoms yet. I mean, like we were thankful. I think we caught it very early. It was very close to the optic nerve. Um, you know, but that day that we found out that she had a brain tumor, we didn't know exactly what kind or any of that. Like that was all in the weeks later of all the different analytics that go into it. But um, yeah, no, she, and you, you come home at night after, you know, we picked her up from school and you look at her like that night and obviously didn't really say anything other than, okay, we're going to go to some doctors tomorrow. They found something in the test that wasn't supposed to be there playing it totally cool. But like you look at her and she's completely and totally normal. Like there's nothing odd going on. So it was kind of crazy. It's like very surreal. Actually, they did seem pretty normal, which was good because you know, if not, I probably would have freaked out, but I was pretty calm because, like, they, it probably was just, like, if I were going to the regular pediatrician, it just felt like that. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> good to know. We were in the inside freaking out, but on the outside, okay, this is cool. This is totally normal. It's all good. We're all going to be fine. Everything's yeah. going to be fine. <laughs> we're all going to be fine. <laughs> so, I mean, I did get, like, a little concerned, um... So I thought, like, if something was, like, wrong with me, because, I mean, I got a lot of scans, a lot of blood work, and I'd never gotten a scan in my life. I'd only gotten blood work once, but it was just for, like, my regular checkup. So, you know, I did get a little concerned. It wasn't that bad, but I still got, like, a little stressed. But I knew that I was going to be okay because all the doctors said that I would be fine. So I didn't stress too much about it. So from there, um, you know, again, like the very next day we were at a neurosurgeon and um, then the neuro-oncologist and, and they outlined, okay, 
you know, the first MRI wasn't really looking to do surgery. So the neurosurgeon needed, you know, all sorts of different images if he was ultimately going to biopsy. So there was those tests that had to come. And then the neuro-oncologist had a ton of tests that they needed to run from PET scans to bone scans to see if the cancer was anywhere else in her body to understand better what they were dealing with. Um, Spinal taps, like, I swear an encyclopedia of blood work because now every single doctor that we had just now encountered from the endocrinologist to the neuro-oncologist to the neurosurgeon all had blood work. So they pretty much said, okay, you're going to leave here and tomorrow morning you're going to go at 7.30 here and you're going to get all this blood work. So we go the next day after that and get all this blood work and the guy doing the blood work is like, wow, this is a lot of blood work. She's so little. Like she needs all this blood work. And I was kind of like, I'm sure you're a very nice person, but I'm going to need you to stop talking. (laughs) Just just, just pull the blood. Let's keep moving. But um, yeah, so it was, you know, it was very, you know, it got real very fast. And, you know, if the oncologist said, you know, in 10 days she needs this, in five days she needs that, like we were on it. Like I was on it with the insurance company. I was like, where do we need to go? Who do you recommend? You know, we were at neuro-ophthalmology by that Friday, you know, like there, whatever steps they outlined for us, like if she needed it at, you know, 245 in seven days, then she was going to get it at 245 in seven days. Like we were, we were on a mission to get every single box checked that these doctors needed to determine what was the next course of action. And trying to stay as calm as possible, as well as, you know, like keep her calm, but also try to be as transparent as we could um, with what was going on, not to alarm her, but also she's very, she's wise beyond her years. She's an old soul. So she knows things and, you know, trying to be as transparent as possible, but not, um, stressful or bring any anxiety to her. But yet, you know, she wanted to understand and know and be a part of the decision-making process. You know, she was very into questions at the neurosurgeon, even the neuro-oncologist. We also then looked at, you know, various places for, you know, whatever this could be, various, you know, people to contact about what this could be. So we were in, you know, we live in New Jersey. Uh, We went to New York because we'd be crazy if we didn't, having that so close. So we contacted friends that had, you know, whose brother was a neurosurgeon who looked at her things and said, okay, I'm like, here's the three names I've gotten. Are these good? Which one should I prioritize? And he helped us with that. You know, every stone, you know. was turned over to figure it out over the next, you know, month to try and navigate what is this and how do we attack it as rapidly as possible and effectively as possible. So, well, it's funny because we had a couple different um, meetings with various neurosurgeons and um, it's it's not funny. I guess like to other people, it wouldn't be funny. And we use humor pretty much for everything. I should probably have put that disclaimer (laughs) on the beginning of it. Like we cheerleaded a brain tumor with humor Um, to the outsider. They might think we're all deranged and maybe we are, but um, that's how we are. But the one neuro, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, it was kind of crazy. Um, we didn't end up needing a biopsy, uh, which we were thankful for. Um, at one point, like one of the neurosurgeons like, oh, this doesn't look like what I thought it was. You know, the other was like, now with these scans, I was like, oh, another moment of like, could you not talk? Could you just like, okay. You know, and he would say, he's like, well, you want to be totally textbook with me. You don't want to be, you know, abnormal, you know, like you're very special and unique, but you don't want to be unique with the neurosurgeon. You want to be completely textbook. Um, but he was like, yeah, you know, this isn't what I thought it was. I was like, oh God. Um, but we, we went through, you know, several different scans and tests and, and the good news is like PET scans, bone scans, those all came back clear. So the cancer was nowhere, but in her 
brain, which I guess go big or go home, right, Grace? Um, (laughs) Since she's the other thing, like, oh, God, I can't just get regular cancer. Got to get a brain tumor. Um, But so when we dealt with it, but it started to firm up that um, more and more tests kept coming back with kind of like the the, the being in the mid-range of um, two different diagnoses. And and with one of them, um, newer studies that were coming out around the globe were uh, opting for not biopsying them if these other numbers, you know, came back okay. And obviously, you know, we didn't want to have to cut her head open and then start chemo. Like, we'll just start chemo because that sounds like a really good idea. You know, like it was kind of like all these weird conversations you never thought you'd have. Um, you know, you never thought you'd, you never thought you'd have, you're having, you know, I remember we left the neurosurgeon the one day when he explained to us how they would biopsy. I was like, okay, okay. That was, you know, now, now what do we do? I got in the car with my husband and I was like, so now what? He's like, well, we go to work. I'm like, okay, we go to work. I just learned how they'd cut her head open, shrink her brain, go in this way. And, and I was like, okay, that was very graphic, very real, understood. I needed to know that, but kind of crazy thinking about it. And he's like, oh, don't worry, you won't really see it once our hair goes back in. I was like, oh my God, what is happening? So, but you know, we go to work, whatever. But um, we, as it got closer, one of her last spinal taps, um, one of the things they tested for uh, came back and it really put her in like kind of the median range for a pure germinoma. And, and so they kind of decided with a panel, we had a panel of people from Columbia to Cornell to NYU to Newark Beth Israel, where we ended up being treated. And they all, for the most part, with the exception of one, agreed that we shouldn't biopsy, just go straight into chemo and then radiation based on where her numbers came back. They determined, they felt that they were working with a pure germinoma. Uh, Germinomas are all malignant, uh, but pure germinomas react, you know, fairly well uh, to treatment. And they felt that they didn't need to biopsy it to confirm it. Now, the only way to truly know what we were dealing with was to biopsy it. But if we felt that three out of four really smart people felt they didn't need to biopsy, we were like, we're going to go with that option. Um, So we thankfully did not need to biopsy. And uh, May first, uh, we got those results and had that conversation with the the panel of doctors, which I was impressed with that they all collaborated, even though they're all from different schools, different, you know, hospitals, different, they all collaborated and came together to review her case. And, um, you know, we determined at that point, okay, it's a pure germinoma, we're going to go with, um, you know, this avenue for treatment, um, and we're not going to biopsy. So it was a chance. It was one of our first kind of, okay, you know, the only way to hundred percent be sure is biopsy, but we opted to not do that, to just go into, um, chemo and see how it reacted. So the good news is they're also a germinoma, pure germinomas. Um, they, they do have a protocol, which was great because, you know, though not everything's textbook with germinomas, they do, they start out with this pretty standardized protocol of four rounds of chemo and then 24 rounds of proton radiation. So yeah, we were pretty clear on what we would have to be doing to treat this. Um, they were also really good about, don't worry about the radiation part. We, you know, we'll tell you when you need to get there for that. Like first, this is the steps we need to take prior to chemo and, and so on. But yes, there was a pretty um, clear path charted for us once they, you know, we all kind of agreed that we believe, you know, all things are pointing to this diagnosis. So we were fortunate, again, fortunate for that. Um, you know, you kind of, your bar gets set a little 
differently uh, when you enter this cancer world, as as you know. Um, you know, you celebrate the small wins. We're like, awesome, don't need brain surgery, just start chemo, yay. Who says that, like, on a normal day, you know? like, But we were like, no, this is great. You know, you're celebrating, I don't need, you know, brain surgery, I'm just going to go do chemo. Like, a normal person would be like, you're crazy. But for us, we were like, this is great. <laughs> you know, your bar just gets set differently. I just really knew that it would be something that they were like putting into my body. Like they were um, like almost like a medicine that they were putting into my body. I didn't totally know what the medicine was or what the chemo was. But um, I was just told so it was like, so I stayed calm. Um, I was just told that it was like a medicine that was going to help me because there was something wrong in my body. But they were going to fix it with this medicine that they were going to put into my body I was gonna have like a little pick line they were just gonna put it in and like it wouldn't hurt her doctors are so amazing well her main doctor Dr. Rao is so amazing and her head nurse uh came at that point they were so good about I mean breaking it down for us but then breaking it down also for her in terms like so everyone was kind of clear on what to expect um you know when they we had to determine do we do a port do we do a pick and I'm like I don't know I'm not equipped to make that decision and then you know like they brought out the dolls and they showed us the dolls you know like to try and figure out okay this is what a port is and this is what a pick is and I'm like I'm still not equipped even with the live action show to make this decision I don't know you tell me what do you do you know we were talking about it with Grace too like what do we do so we ended up going with a pick line um and, and you know we had that discussion with her and then I think the real part of it, and Grace can probably speak to this, and I think this is one of the the first times it became even more, it became truly real, um, was, okay, when we do this pick line, gymnastics stops, you know, showers and baths stop as we know it. They now have to take on a different form because the pick, you can't get wet. Um, you know, there's training for the pick line and what you need to do in flushes. There's, you know, no more softball. There's no camp. You know, some of those things, and Grace can speak to that because I remember having that conversation in your room the one night, like, this is what this means. And like that part, I think, was hard to swallow um, at first. Like she's a trooper and she would like, you know, has very few moments on this journey. And that was, I think, one of the the moments of reality that she had was when we were like, okay, this is what this now means. And that's when I think the pick line going in became very real. Is that, okay, well, now you won't be do you know she loved her summer camp like he won't be doing summer camp this year like there's no way and I think and I don't know Grace can probably speak to that more like I think that was a very real yeah. moment um realizing you know well all these activities have to stop mm-hmm. yeah I was like a little um confused because I thought that I was still going to be able um to move a lot and like to be active and like do what everybody else um would normally do but then I learned that it was going to be like a little bit more complex than it was because I thought that like it wasn't gonna like be that bad I wasn't gonna be sore or anything like that but then when I learned that it was gonna be like more complex than what it original like what I originally thought it was gonna be I got like more sad because I thought um that like I couldn't really do anything except just like sit on the couch and like watch tv um no it was sad because like I really loved to play softball because like I did it every summer um every spring so that was sad and gymnastics like I did gymnastics once a week and I would do it at home even when I wasn't in classes and like dance and like my favorite thing in the world was to swim and then when I learned I couldn't swim during the summer because I was treated during the summer I was like what's the summer without like 
swimming and going to like the beach and the pool and I was like this is gonna be more hard than I thought it was gonna be you just made the acro team like literally a week before she just made the acro team like the professional Um, yeah I was kind of mad that was disappointing yeah because I like worked hard to get onto it and then I realized that I had to stop all of it like that made me really mad coming up Grace will share how she navigated schoolwork while being in and out of the hospital But before she does, I want to tell you a little bit about the Socks with Stories Paying It Forward initiative that Grace is helping us with this fall. On the week before Thanksgiving, Grace will join 49 other childhood cancer survivors who are each running a sock donation at their local children's hospital. Beyond donating thousands of fun, non-slip socks, which are very useful in the hospital, our goal is that by sharing stories of resilience, just like Grace's, we can show other families in the thick of it that there is hope. If you want to support this initiative, you can go on our website, SocksWithStories.com, and buy a pair of socks. Every pair of socks that we sell is matched with a pair donated to a child in the hospital. Our goal is to donate 10,000 pairs by the end of the year. Thanks for your support. So a little bit of what happened was when I was at school, um, there was a, um, a person at the place where I was treated that she came to my school and she explained a little bit about like what I had. She told everybody that I was sick that I wasn't going to be able to go to school full-time and I wasn't going to be able to do, like, the gym and physical activity. But um, then they understood, like, um, she read a book to them about, like, what I was going to be able to do and what I wasn't going to be able to do. So that was good. Um, But we didn't totally talk about, like, when it came to summer. Um, We really just talked about school. But then I had to tell them that, oh, this is in my arm and it can't get wet. So, and... I'm not feeling my best, and I still have the um, peg line on my arm, so I can't do softball, and I can't go to dance, and I can't do gymnastics with you guys. Not the average conversation I thought I would be having. <laughs> yeah, because when they um, went to the school to talk about it, um, they gave me a, a monkey. Um, I named him Bruno, and he would sit in my chair. So he would almost like be me while I wasn't at school, like while I was at the hospital. So... They gave that to me, and then I could care, and then they would carry him around. Like they would take him to lunch, and he would sit where I would usually sit. And he came to gym, and he sat on the sidelines. But it was fun because like they dressed him up, and like they would send videos to me um with him, and that was nice. But I also had um a robot um a Vigo, so it's almost like so I had an app where I could control him. I can move him forward to the side, really. I can move them however I wanted. And um, I could see the class and they could see me. Um, but that was cool because I could, like, move to my desk. And I could tilt my camera up and down and to the side. And I could see what my friends were doing. So that was fun because I could, like, move around the classroom instead of just, like, having an um, like a device that was just on the table and not being able to move it and see anything. So that was actually pretty cool. But it was also fun because I could do um, school in my pajamas, too, if I wanted to. So that was pretty cool. And I could eat if I wanted to during school. So that was also the, a good part about it. Yeah, no, we were really fortunate um, with where we were treated. And, and from the day the day after we found her tumor, that's where we went in terms of, you know, uh, meeting with the neuro, the first neuro-oncologist that we met with. And, and we felt like family 
there from the get-go, and they actually um, have a really nice program um, and a lot of support for the family, but they've got a school liaison that goes to the school and works out all the paperwork. So you get to be a part of it, but they kind of take all, they tackle all the specifics. So if the school has questions and things like that, they they go to them versus us. We, you know, we get to see whatever the correspondence is, but they like kind of handle it so you can focus on, you know, treatment. Um, and yeah, they had it kind of all mapped out. Okay, you know, if Grace wants, you know, this school liaison can go to the school and, and articulate to class and explain things. You know, so Grace doesn't have to be bombarded and answer all these questions. Um, so they did sort of have a plan. Same thing with the the robot. They said, okay, you know. We'll, we have one available. We'll be able to put that and get that all up and running with the school so she can still be a part of class, even if she's in treatment and, and kind of immune compromised and can't physically be there for her safety. They can do that. So they actually, yeah, they we were really fortunate where we were treated that they, they had a plan um, sort of in place that went into action once we began, you know, began everything. Um, so, we, yeah, we were really fortunate. I think this was for every round of chemo, like when I finished it. Um, like the last day of each round, that was pretty good because um, when I had chemo, I usually wouldn't eat anything and I would throw up every day. But um, the day after, usually I started to recover and I would eat a little bit more and then I would finally be on like a regular appetite and I wouldn't throw up as much. Um, and that was good. But I think um, that people like yeah. it sounds really messed up because you're at the hospital, you know, like you're at the hospital for chemo. Like that, what? There's nothing fun about that. But the people at the hospital, like, again, we were so fortunate with like the beautiful people that we had at the hospital, like so caring and, and fun and, you know, and attentive and helpful. And we, they become family. So mm-hmm. like that ended yeah. up being, I think, a really, really bright spot is that we, even though we were in there for a crappy reason, we got to spend time with really good people. I met like a bunch of good friends. And um, one of the fortunate things was that, um, the place where I was treated, um, the Valerie Fund, they had a sleepaway camp. So some of the friends that I met in the hospital, I would get to go to a sleepaway camp with them, and we could hang out. And like when we weren't in treatment, um, treatment, and we weren't feeling sick, so at least we could have fun. Like we could go. Um, majority of us could go swimming, um, but those who can't, we would take them on kayaks, and they would do paddleboard. We would do arts and crafts together. There's a talent show. There's a dance. We had like a lot of fun together. So like I I have friends. Um, I made friends that I'm still friends with today, and um, I still like talk with them um, from time to time. And sometimes if I'm lucky, I'll um, see them in the hospital because um, sometimes I'll see them for their check-ins or if they're still in treatment. But that's um, a good thing as I made a bunch of lifelong friends. Um, and the staff there, they're, um, they were really sweet as we were uh, um, talking about before, but, um, they had like an art therapist, um, and I love art. So I would paint with her while I was getting treatment and a bunch of the other kids were also doing the same thing. Yeah. Cause we can talk about it. Cause I mean, it's hard to talk to people who like, um, sometimes don't understand what you're going through, but it's nice. Cause, um, most of them have been through similar experiences so I can, connect with them and we can share our experiences and like everybody understands which is another great part about it well one um a major part and this was throughout it um was sometimes like um how I was feeling like inside because my stomach hurt a lot because of the chemo and I had to take a lot of pills um so that made me not as hungry so I didn't have much of a diet um and I mean so that was bad um 
But it was also um kind of when I lost my hair too because I mean I love my hair. Um but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um it was sad because I mean I really liked um I don't know I liked it and it was just sad because like I wanted to be like everybody else and I didn't want to kind of be like um made fun of for not having any hair. So that was sad. So I remember I was um you can also add on to this. <laughs> but um so my parents had gone back to the city for a day and I was at home and my grandpa was on the way and it was really bad and I mean it had been falling out for a while. For and, a couple of days, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, for a couple of days. And I mean, my grandpa got here and I was just like my hair's coming out so much more today and he's like it's okay it's okay and um so I was sitting and I was like why is it falling out and I remember I actually remember this scene like so clearly but I was I put my head on the couch like my um the top of my head and I like almost leaned forward and I was on the couch and I sat there I think I probably fell asleep because I remember it was a long time because I checked the time after and I came back up after probably like 20 minutes. And then I itched the top of my head. And I remember feeling a huge bald spot. And then I looked in front of me where my head just was. And I saw a chunk of hair. And I was like, oh my god. Oh my god. And I ran to the bathroom. And I was like, oh my god, I have a bald spot. And it was like down the middle of my head, which was, of course the perfect place to be and then I went to my grandpa and he was like oh you look like me that was kind of funny and then I was like like, the humor just runs through the family (laughs) yeah I was like well I guess that's kind of a positive (laughs) um, and then so I went to paint for a little bit because you know I mean I loved art and I kind of poured my creativity into that to I kind of like put my anger into something happy and I painted and then I remember my mom called one of her friends because I think my grandpa had to go to work um and she came over and we painted and then we went on almost like a little shopping spree like we went to Michael's and um we bought some craft stuff like we bought plain hats we bought like I swear we bought at least one of each bandana so I had like a whole selection there I probably still have most of them and we did that and we came home and like we had a bunch of supplies and we decorated it um we decorated a bunch of hats and then we went to like a diner after and I had to wear a hat or a bandana to cover it because it was um it was a mess unfortunately but then um we called my mom and I was like, my hair is like a mess. And she was like, well, I, I remember um, you said something like, well, if it's really bad, I guess we could shave it tonight. And I was like, please, please, please. I just want to get mm-hmm. it all off. Um, so I don't know if you want to add on to this yeah, part. So we have a friend who's a, a barber. And we were going to go on Saturday, but we were, it was a Wednesday. And I was like, uh, JT, we got to come tonight. And he said, whatever you need, we're like, I'm here. So we kind of rallied and did that. And I think um, when she first you know, started to lose her hair, it was in the shower. And we, like, it started to come out. And she's like, oh, I'm losing hair. And then we both like paused and we're like, oh, 
you're losing hair. Like realize, you know, like almost like the reality set in like, oh, we've reached this phase, you know, because you're kind of like bopping around and, you know, oh, okay, this chemo thing, it sucks, but it's not so bad. And then the hair falls out and you're like, okay, now it's real. Exactly. Now it's a little real. So, yeah, and um, so we went that night um, and shaved her head, and her brother really wanted to do it first, and we said, no, like, wait, let your sister do it first, because she kind of has to, um, and then so he might, you know, want to not do it after you see that, and and one of her good friends um, at the time, she wanted, she did, stepped up, and she said she wanted to do it, too, and she also wanted to go first. I'm like, hold on, let Grace go first, because if you freak out, you can like abort the mission. She can't necessarily. So we were like, let Grace go first. So uh, yeah, she did it. And um, you know, we kind of had sort of like a little get together that yeah. night to shave Grace's head. And I think that that was another one of the define. like when Grace got her pick line, I think that was a defining like reality moment. Yeah. And then when Grace lost her hair, I think was another reality moment because it was like, okay, now like, can- you know, not that cancer wasn't real. It was, but like these... I think physical in your face signs made it all the more real. Um, and those were definite like moments of pause, you know, and I think we, we tried to, you know, like obviously always make a good spirit and fun and humor with everything, but also very realistic. Like if you're upset or you don't feel well or something like feel those feelings, process them and then rise up. So I think that was another one of the moments of like processing, like this is, you know, really hard and real to deal with like okay you know take a moment about it and then we rise up and and rally and make it fun you know my my husband and I were really good about when he was you know if I was having a moment he wasn't if he was having a moment I wasn't we were really good about balancing it and it was kind of funny like what affected us you know kind of differently and that really affected me and he's like well you knew this was gonna happen I'm like no I know this was gonna happen but it's actually happening and I just need a moment like I just need a minute so like she went down the hall like to go read books with like him and her brother I like sat in the bathroom cried stood up washed my face you know dusted myself off and for lack of a better term came out of the bathroom was like all right I'm ready to poop rainbows again because like that's like just you know like I'm like all right I have my moment and I try to do that also for her like have your moment like you can be angry a little bit like it's frustrating it's disappointing like feel it then rise up so I think the losing the hair was was one of those moments I also think during treatment some of the days where she was really sick it was really hard like you know she's an energetic you know, child and, you know, seeing her completely wiped out, you know, really hard. And I think those, those moments of her, like, you know, wiped out in the hospital, they were hard for me, but like my husband was really affected. He's like, I cannot stand seeing her like this. And I'd be like, why don't you go downstairs for coffee or an omelet? It's going to be fine. We, she's going to be fine. Give her three days. We'll be fine. Everything will be fine. We'll all be fine. It'll be fine. You know, like, it's like, she's like, I like, so like he was almost more, you know, not that I wasn't affected by it, but like those moments of seeing her really wiped out in the hospital, really hard. And like, you know, again, tubes are coming out and she's just wiped out you know and she'd be like you all just leave me alone you know it's like I was proud of her for advocating for herself but like those moments were like okay I'll go sit outside 
Okay. You know, like, I love you, but like, I need a moment. Or like the massage lady would come in and she's so sweet and Grace like loved her. And she'd be like, would you want a massage? She's like, no, not right now. She's like, okay, I'll come back later. Grace's like, okay, no, you don't need to. Thanks. Like she's just like, like these things that she normally loved in like the depths of chemo and it gets cumulative. Like the first round, okay, yeah, not so bad. If this is what it's going to be, it's going to be fine. And as you know, like you keep going and they get kind of worse and worse and more intense earlier and earlier. And I think those were hard. You know, and then seeing her, like, not do the things that she loves, even in the hospital with the people she loves, because she was just like, everybody needs to leave me alone right now. We're like, okay, we're going to go. You know, those pieces, like, that was really hard, you know, really hard. But even in those, and, and Grace is so much like this, too, where she would go around the hospital and, like, you know, bring things for the other kids that were in treatment and and things like that. Like, you know, you said, but you always saw, you know, other situations around you that were terrible. Like kids were younger, you know, kids were in, you know, far worse shape. Not that anybody's in great shape, you know, like, and all of those things, like, oh, like that's really like, okay. Forget my situation. Like look at what's going on around us. That's so hard. And I think that, you know, that helped us through it to be able to focus on, okay, you know, this one needs that, or that one needs this, or maybe you, you know, when you're feeling okay, you can go over and play, you know, with this little one or things like that. Like that helped us even in like our darker moments, be able to kind of dust ourselves off and pick ourselves up because, you know, you're in, you're like, okay, it's not, ju- it's like not just about what we're going through. It was about what else was going on around us. And I think that, you know, helped us get through some of those moments of like, oh, this is really kind of real right now. Coming up, Aubrey will shed some light about how she and Dan balanced their careers with Grace's care schedule and not forgetting about their other son. Yes. Like you'd come home from the hospital completely drained. And, and we would try like when she was in chemo and especially when she would kick us out of the room, you know, we'd try and then, like open up our laptops and do our work stuff, you know, like but use that time to, to keep up. And thankfully, both of our jobs um, are, are, you know, are very technologically connected. So we could just like have our laptop anywhere um, in the hospital. So that was helpful, but yet hard because you want to be present for grace, you know, but you yet want to sort of maintain normalcy, not knowing, like, and that was one thing that we said early on, like, we were like, okay, we have to try and be as normal as possible because who knows what this journey is going to be and who knows what it's going to need down the road. So like, let's just try and start this out really, really normal. A, for the kids, you know, so that they feel like, okay, not everything's tragic right now. Like, let's just be normal. And B, because I don't know what I'm going to need down the road. Like, you know, I was like, do I take leave? Do I not take leave? Like all of these things. And we chose not to take leave. We chose to try and balance it out. So like, okay, if I did chemo these days, then Dan did chemo those days. And we tried to, again, balance it out so we could maintain the careers. But you come, you know, also to pay for the treatments and the tests and all that stuff. But that part, but we would come home and you're exhausted and you lay down and you're like, oh my God, Landon. Oh my God, we have another kid hot. And like, not to shortchange him, but we would like, okay, rainbows out my butt. Okay, let's go. Homework. Let's go. You know, like trying to like, okay. And we thankfully again have like family and friends that stepped in to help. Um, at the time we had a whole, you know, we had a kind of a full-time sitter that was with us. Um, you know, and we probably scarred her for life for sure, but she, you know, like, but she was helpful. And again, plus we had family and friends that stepped in, you know, and rally, but it was hard for us also to have those conversations with Landon you know, like it was, you know, he's like, why do you both have to go to the hospital? You know, and, and we did at some point rotate then. Um, but at the beginning, both of us, like my husband and I were going to everything because, you know, you all absorb different things differently. So we kind of both needed to be there to understand the magnitude of what was going on and to both hear it and all of that. 
Um, but you know, we came up, well, why do you both have to go? And it was every single day. And that was even before she was in treatment, you know, and I think that was hard for him. And then, but we, you know, in the hospital advised us like, no, you, the words you use with her are the words you should use with him. So like sitting our then like seven-year-old down saying, hi, your sister has cancer and watching him like deflate. And I was like, oh, okay, how do you know what cancer is? And even if you do, how do you know that it's bad? You know, like I never realized that he knew as much as he did until I used that word with him. And he, you know, like was, you know, like deflated when we said, you know, Grace has cancer. And he had all these like really adult questions. And I was like, oh, okay. You know, like totally not realizing how much he sort of knew, even though it wasn't really about her, like, you know, then being able to have that open conversation with him, but then also trying to keep him afloat. So he's not petrified as to what could happen. Um, it's, it's hard. It's draining. Cause yeah, you come home and you're like, Oh my God, I have another child. Like, and he deserves attention and focus and energy, you know, like we just expended it all, like, you know, dancing around the hospital, like, you know, shooting puppies and rainbows out our nose and like, trying to keep it all up and then you come home and try and navigate that with him. So that was really, um, that was hard. And it's, it's not even a full-time job. It's like a, it's like three full-time jobs, you know, like you're, cause you're trying to like maintain your actual full-time job and then like the, the treatment child and that protocol and then the other siblings and then the house, you know, it was like, oh, we'll totally have a garden this year because we'll be home more this summer. My husband's like, are you yeah. kidding me? And he was like, oh yeah, forget the garden. <laughs> like, it's just, what was I thinking? <laughs> you know, but like you're trying, you're like, oh yeah, we'll totally do that. Yeah, no, we're not. Let that go. So like, it's a lot like of juggling and balancing and you're tired, but I think you're also on just overdrive trying to get through it all. Um, that day when I went into the city with my husband, uh, when she was losing her hair and I said, um, we are firm believers. Everything happens for a reason. Uh, I was on the train with my husband as well as a friend of mine who, while this was going on, and I'm on the phone with Grace trying to, you know, like, calm her down and navigate the situation. Like, my husband's calling my father, and my friend Kim is calling Jane, but there was a woman on the train. And I was hopefully not speaking too loud on the train, but, you know, but she was across the aisle, and we got off the train. She said to me, she goes, is your, you know, is your daughter sick? I said, yes, she is, and I'm sorry if I was, you know, too loud on the train. Um, and she said, not at all. She's like, but I, I heard it. And she's like, I think I can help you. And she actually put us in, in uh, connection with three different pediatric cancer charities that day. And I said, well, if we, the, like, I don't know, the serendipity, the whatever uh, of it, <laughs> the universe of it, we, we got in touch with like Candlelighters NYC, uh, the American Childhood Cancer Organization, uh, Brooks Blossoms. And we were already involved with the Valerie Fund because that's where we were being treated. And from there, um, that's where the advocacy really started. Um, so when the Valerie Fund needed a voiceover or a PSA for a commercial or things like that, they were like, hey, do you think Grace would do it? And so that kind of started, you know, that piece of, you know, her speaking out and representing um, the cause and really being a voice for the kids. And then Candlelighters, again, put us in touch with the American Childhood Cancer Organization, and they needed kind of gold ribbon heroes for their partnership with Amazon. Um, and they're in Amazon's, you know, initiative with pediatric cancer. So that's where a lot of the advocacy really started to happen. And they came up and they did, you know, a, a photo shoot with Grace to use for some of the, you know, the initiatives that say Amazon was doing or the, the ACCO was doing. And, and that's where that all really began. Also, you know, my father came to, um, some of Grace's rounds of chemo and was so, 
impressed with everybody's coming in and out of the room, you know, tending to Grace, tending to me or my husband and like, and, and treating really the whole family in different ways, whether it was navigating the stuff with school, whether it was, okay, do you need, you know, you know, help with your son? Like is, you know, like how to talk to him? Do you need, you know, whatever that is, like they were navigating all of that. My father was so like blown away by the support we were getting in totality as a family he wanted to do something and that's where he came up with uh, Grace's house because he was in the process of renovating this historic home. And then that's when, you know, some of the fundraising opportunities came up through that initiative as well. So really um, that's how we started to get involved with that. And, and again, Grace is really well-spoken during treatment, after treatment, and, and, and people kind of gravitated to, she's open to talking to her story. She's good at articulating her story. Um, and that's where, you know, a lot of that stuff began. So um, I was in D.C. for a few things, but the first time I went to um, Washington, D.C. was um, for the 2019 State of the Union. Um, so that was pretty cool because um, I got to, we went on a fun tour of the White House, and in the time that I wasn't there, too, I got to go, um, we went on like a bus tour, like we got to see the Lincoln Memorial, the Washington Memorial, like all that kind of stuff. Um, but then after we, yeah, we got a tour of the White House. Um, I got to learn some fun facts about, like, the government, stuff like that. And then um, I got to see, um, I saw Melania and uh, uh, Melania Trump. And I saw the um, president, and I got to see him in the Oval Office. So that was cool. Like, we got a little tour of the Oval Office. Um how much? Well, he got federal funding. Oh, yes, he got um, federal funding for childhood cancer awareness, which was like something that, you know, I never thought I would be able to do. Like I would be able to help get funding for a cause that I, you know, um, have been affected by and that a bunch of other people that I know have been affected by. And that was cool. It was cool because um, actually before I was diagnosed, like I hadn't really known much. I didn't know that kids could actually get cancer until, you know, I was diagnosed. So it was pretty like amazing that, you know, I didn't know about and that I learned so much about it and that I learned that I was going to be able to help and or at least do like a little something to help a bunch of other people. And that was like something so near and dear and like amazing to me. It's kind of mind blowing, I think. Um, and when we were first approached about it, um, oh, if fun. yeah, like if I think the uh, Ruth, the CEO of uh, the American Childhood Cancer Organization, she called me about it ahead of time, and she said, "Hey, the White House wants to call you." I said, "Okay." Um, I think if she didn't call and preface that, I would have, you know, like you know, your cell phone would ring and it would say like Washington D.C. or like White Probably. House, and I would have been like, "Click, yeah, right," you know, like. <laughs> okay you know it's all right and I would have deleted it or you know like hung up and um she said she's like they don't you know like they don't necessarily really want to talk through me they want to talk direct to you so and I'm glad she gave us the heads up and we arranged a time um and of course I still think I was sort of like not believing it because I was like oh I can't talk to the White House today it's got to be tomorrow like it was like so funny like in hindsight my mother's like are you like what are you crazy? Like, but I think it was just, I don't know if it wasn't real or what. I don't know. I was like, I don't know. I can't talk to them today. It has to be tomorrow. And like, so we arranged a time and I talked to them and, um, you know, and they, they couldn't really tell us what it was for. 
but that you know they said on this date you know like could you be available to be in dc like you'd be a guest of you know the first lady and the president to represent you know pediatric cancer blah 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 and i said sure as long as it's not used politically we were adamant regardless of what side of the aisle you sit on like did not want to be used politically and grace is really drilled into things like if it's something used not her story is used in a way that that you know yeah, that can help people and it shouldn't be used in another way. Like she like will, you know, be adamant about not being a part of it and she'll call you out on it. Cause she's, that's just that she's again, wise beyond her years. So I was like, as long as it's not being used really like strongly politically, like, no, of, you know, of course we're, we're, we'd be honored, but they didn't tell us what it was for. So of course I hang up the phone and Google the date and it pops up like, Oh, state of the union 2019. I was like, Hmm. No, I'm thinking she's just going to sit, you know, you know, sit in the audience, you know, like, all right, I don't know. They need to like, you know, check the quota for kids. So, all right. So, all right, we'll do grace. Not really understanding like totally the magnitude of it until they're like, okay, the speechwriter is going to call you. So then I'm having like an interview with the speechwriter and I was like, uh, we might actually be mentioned like, okay. And then you think, okay, she's not really going to be mentioned by name. And like, then everything kind of started to fall into place and like the magnitude of her being kind of like the featured guest, um, was quite amazing. And I think, you know, again, regardless of where you are politically, I think just the opportunity from, you know, like that to be able to visit the white house in that way and re- represent this cause in that way is amazing because it had not been recognized nationally or even internationally at that point um you know like a huge huge once in a lifetime opportunity and from that you know grace has been back down there many times representing the cause you know yeah. she was back down for the vice president he had a round table on on how are they using the funds you know for pediatric cancer research and you know and holding kind of them accountable for actually you getting the funds and using it. So she was down there for that. She's been down there for other advocacy things, again, all in partnership with the American Childhood Cancer Organization um, to make sure that they are using those funds. But then also there's other things, you know, the Creating Hope Act and things like that. Like she's been down there to tell her story and advocate to, you know, key lawmakers why this cause is so important and should get the necessary attention and funding. Um, and she's met with many senators um, and representatives um, at the Capitol. Uh, she spoke at the Capitol last year at the Childhood Cancer Caucus, um, you know, which was quite amazing um, that, you know, she was chosen as that person to give that speech, um, and, you know, represented that at that, you know, on that level has been amazing. So we've been down there, um, you know, a few times. We've also been down there for the Easter egg roll uh, and brunch at the White House and yeah. the Christmas party. That- so. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a, there's been a couple fun spots in there um, yeah. as well versus just the advocacy. So it's it was an amazing opportunity. And I think I'd be, um, you know, if we didn't let her take part in that and tell her story, it'd be, you know, I think it'd be a, a sad thing. So I'm glad we let her do it. And um, yeah, it was quite amazing. Like I was down the hall sitting um, in Melania's like lounge room, um, you know, with some others that night watching it. I had the best spot because there was like snacks and whatnot in the room and I got to watch it on TV Lots and I knew chocolate. when she was coming in and because I'm like, these things are long. And I said to her, I'm like, Grace, it's going to be long. Just like stay on your game the whole time. And she's like, I got yeah. this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she's like, okay. And then I like kissed her goodbye and she went in with Melania and sat down. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get the chocolate in that room we were just in. It was good chocolate. But you know, like it's kind of like, like, okay, what is happening? <laughs> Grace yeah. had something she wanted to add to. Yeah, but um, another fun thing, cause um, but um, yeah, when I was at 
reporting for the State of the Union, um, that was like something serious. But then when we got invited to the Easter egg, well, that was pretty fun because my brother and my dad came because you um last time it was just my mom and I, and it was fun because you know Landon um my brother he didn't come to a lot of the advocacy stuff, so this was fun that we could do something fun for him and for my dad because he also took part in the tribal <laughs> so <laughs> that was fun yes so um the initiative that um we started is called with grace and you know it's just supposed to um help a bunch of um we're also like because we're a nonprofit, so we also help like um some other um local initiatives like um of course we help acco because they're like an, such an important part of like how we got started and all but we help like local like the Brokeley Foundation the team Campbell Foundation because there's actually um we looked but there's um a lot of local um childhood cancer initiatives um so it was cool like because we reached out to them and they reached out to us and it was like we learned a like a lot about them and now we um at with grace we're trying to help a bunch of other people too um yeah but we're just um sorry um we're just trying to make it a little bit better one day at a time and I think it was in, important for um you know because Grace was doing so many kind of different things to be able to funnel it and channel it into kind of her own thing but still be able to help all these other people and not only yeah. you know research initiatives but um the advocacy piece and then also, you know, direct care for, you know, local families and things like that. I think that was important and it was, you know, it's kind of a way of us kind of funneling it or focusing it into this one initiative. Yeah. I would say to the family to not like stress so much and to just like um, trust the people that are like giving you the information, but to the kid, um, stay strong because you can do it and if you and if you're ever feeling different or if you feel like you need to ask any questions always ask questions always you know just say what you need say um if you have any questions just you know just really yeah ask questions whatever you have because it'll really be um you know just important and Stay strong. And I think it would be, yeah, like uh, take it day by day. I think most of our doctors always said that, like day by day. Okay, this phase, then that phase. Then, you know, don't be, don't go all the way to like, you know, DEFCON 5 or, you know, five months out. Like just, just keep it like day to day. And I think that that's really smart, really good advice. And I think it's really helpful. Um, and, you know, and just to feel your feelings. Like you don't have to be this like strong warrior yeah. every single minute of every single day. Like you need your moments too. So take your moments like to regroup yourself, whether that's being emotional for a moment or whether that's like self-care, whatever that is. It's so important to take those moments. Self-care is important. Yeah. And then, you know, shake it off and rise up and and, and keep going because it's, it's not easy. Um, it's a long haul and you know, and just, yeah, feel your feelings and then rise up. And don't Google things because it's a rabbit hole of crap you don't need. <laughs> if you want to continue following Grace and her incredible work at the With Grace Initiative, we'll have links to her website and social up on our site at TalksWithStories.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Our goal with the Talks with Stories podcast is to become a resource for families impacted by cancer. 
So if you have 30 seconds to review us on Apple Podcasts, it really helps us get noticed. Thanks for your support.